Studios. It's The Rush with Jenny Lehman and Tyler McComas. I mean, we kind of talked about it actually last season going into when we were in fall camp. Uh, Coach Chave and Coach Bates kind of talked to me up and said, you know, when we do, when I'm kind of inside or doing inside movements, they said I, I look a little bit more comfortable than on the edge. So, like, they're saying, you know, next year maybe, you know, you could try, we'll try putting you inside. And, you know, I, I agreed with them. I, you know, I, I could see what they are talking about. And so, you know, I'm just trying to do whatever I can, you know, to help better this team. So, if I have to move inside, that's no problem. The first day. Jonah Lukulu came on strong at the end of last year. Uh, played some some really good snaps for the Sooner defense. Um, you know, I think it's it's partially he has a uh, a nice feeling for being a little bit more in the scrum than on the edge. And let's be honest, there's a depth issue. We got a lot of edge guys. Yep. We don't have a lot of interior guys. He has um, what's rare on the interior a lot of times is great length. And it seems counterintuitive. Well, on the inside, you'd rather be low and compact, be able to hold point a little bit more. And that's true to a certain extent. But if you can put it together and play with great, pad level and leverage and have really good length with long arms like he has. He's He's got really long arms. That becomes very difficult for guards who guards typically don't have the reach, the long arms like your tackles do. So if he gets it and he can pick up the, the technique and be able to play low and aggressive and use his length as an advantage – along with playing low and having a good pad level, I think he could do some really good damage in there. Yeah. He's put on weight. I think he's up around 285 pounds or so. So, yeah, I think it's so, – I mean, so far they've been happy with it, it. I mean, this is the time for position changes, sure. And a lot of yeah. times it's, well, let's move you over. Let's see if you can maybe get um, – have a little bit more of an impact at this spot. Is that the reason for this move, to move him inside so he can get more playing time? Or is this a move of, well, maybe if you were out on the edge, you would still get playing time. You'd be in the mix. But, like, is this just more about the overall depth that they have on the inside? Or both of those things combined? I think it's everything combined in one. I think they've got, they've got more talent and options at edge right now. Not to say that he couldn't win those uh, battles. They've got more, more options on the edge. Um, but he still brings uh, some really good stuff to the interior. He's strong. Like I said, he's got good length. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I think it's been a good move. Uh, he's speed D size is what I've heard, says Gunny of Stutzman's Army. 6'5", 277 is yeah. what he is well, uh, listed at. Unfortunately, you know, we're just, we're just small. But at uh, interior defensive line. Uh, how long do you think it'll be before Reggie Grimes moves inside a la Jonah? Well, I think it's totally um, 
up to like what Grimes does on the edge and what some of the other players, the young players, look like on the edge. If I mean, from what I've seen right now, Grimes is still starting defensive end. Now, Trace Ford is not doing much through the spring. Um, you know, you've got Adabare who's still trying to get acclimated. You know, he's a fish out of water as a true freshman, as he should be right now. Take him a little bit to settle in. Um, our Mason Thomas, I think, is like, what you get out of him in the pass rush. You lose at the point of attack in the running game, and uh, like, he just needs to become a, a better all-around player. Uh, so I think right now you still got – Grimes is still there until someone – yeah you know comes up and takes that, that spot from. that was a big note from yesterday's practice laulu moving from yeah. uh to the interior defensive line we talked about Desan mccullough's play yesterday that went viral with ou twitter and then i i, I guess maybe the third thing is what was said after practice and what was that andrell anthony hashtag burner i mean that's nothing new to this program that's being that's been brought up but I think Drake Stoop said, "Yeah, Andrew Anthony, he's he's a burner. That's what he is at wide receiver. Yeah. He can he can fly. He's your big play guy. That's what was said after practice with- uh, last night. Yeah. yeah, and he mentioned himself. It was you know one of those questions. What's been the biggest adjustment? And I mean, I guess if you think about it, it makes sense. Like he's going to an offense at Michigan that is heavy, heavy run. Let's control the pace, the tempo, the clock. Let's use our tight ends in the passing game." And here he is at OU, and it is up-tempo, and it's fast-paced. So getting acclimated to that, the speed and the tempo of the offense, he says, is probably the toughest thing that he's had to undergo. It sounds like he's doing just fine with that. He'll, yeah. he'll be okay. Yeah. No, I, I think he's – yeah, he'll, he'll be just fine. Going from Michigan's pace to OU's pace, and, and, and OU's going to be up-tempo. Let's see if they have to be as up-tempo as they were last year. Hopefully that's not the case, but that's, that's two pretty – that's two pretty massive – that's a massive change. Yeah, it is. Two. And, you know, just the the ability at times to get what amounts to an extended handoff with some of the bubble stuff that we run and tunnel stuff whenever the numbers dictate or RPO. Teams are, you know, too, too dedicated to stopping the run and quarterback's going to pull it out and throw the dagger there in the RPO. Uh, should get some of those quick, easy opportunities for catches – uh, and then, obviously, just the way that Lebby calls it, whenever it's all clicking and working as it's supposed to, a lot of deep shots, which we saw we saw plenty last year. We didn't connect on all of them, but I, when this thing's functioning better, you'll see a lot more deep balls than we saw a year ago. Um, I, I read a really cool story today, like hat tip to the OU Daily for this. It's a... SEC story, not so much on how OU is going yeah. to translate, but how the city of Norman is going to translate. And they sat down and talked to Norman Chamber of Commerce President Scott Martin, I guess, for like an hour. There's some really cool quotes and some like nuggets in here. And we knew that this was going to be the case. It's still crazy to me and fascinating that you're changing conferences. You're mm-hmm. not picking up the city of Norman or the state of Oklahoma and moving it somewhere else. You are changing conferences, and it's causing you to rethink everything about the city of Norman. It, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It, it's fascinating. It's awesome. It's exciting. But it, I, I don't know. There can't be another conference out there where you would almost have to rethink things going into a different league. 
that wouldn't be the case with the Pac-12 or the ACC or probably not the Big Ten. It's just yeah. the demands of the SEC and what you can get out of this is, is crazy. Yeah. Well, let's hope that by the time it all happens and we're ready to embark on that journey that we've got the football team ready to back it up because, yeah, I, I, I fully expect the – our fans to embrace the the different culture of the conference and you know not just travel to more games in bigger numbers but show up in bigger numbers at home around the stadium whether you're going or not like the the SEC is I, it, it it's a it's a tailgating conference, right? Whenever you, yep. you just think about the SEC, that was cited in this piece. That's for what sure. you think about, right? Is you think about RVs, man. They RVs, take RVs everywhere. Show uh, up early in the week. I I was talking with a friend that you know went to he he went to some Ole Miss games and I not weren't even like big time opponents necessarily. Whenever he was there and. He's like you walk into someone's like tailgating tent, and it looks like a damn wedding event. Well, they have you got like thousand dollars, not thousand dollar, but like super expensive chandeliers in there. Yeah, it's like catered to the nines, and like just like people dropping, you know, lots of money to host and entertain, and like it's almost like the football is. I mean, it's the big deal. Trust me, I I understand that. But for a lot of people, it's really the, it's just the party. Mm-hmm. It's to be there and to be seen, and we never lose a socialize. party. That's what Ole Miss says. Yeah. Um, the stat that sticks out to me: so t- uh, Tuscaloosa has ninety five thousand residents. Norman has one hundred thirty thousand residents. But the economic breakdown from an average game day weekend: uh, Norman brings in about eleven million dollars to mm-hmm. the city for an OU game day. Tuscaloosa, despite uh, fewer residents, thirty million to Norman's eleven million. So the impact around here, money-wise, is, I mean, close to three times. I mean, a, a lot of that is just we, for whatever reason, and I don't know, maybe it's changing. I'd like to hear what people say uh, on the text line. It's almost like we don't even have the infrastructure for a party like that like how many how many places around here can you cater to a tailgate i mean i don't know i'm I'm not talking about picking up wings on the way to the game as catering i'm talking about like wedding style catering like event style catering to individual tailgates even in this piece we just talked about how like when alabama fans came in here in 2002 like rvs are everywhere ohio state fans when they came here in 2016 remember all the rvs that were parked out there in the lnc like on wednesday and thursday it is an rv conference and in this piece scott martin said that Riverwind Casino is being explored as potential additional RV parking for home games. Like, that would work. There's space out there to park, but I'm going to guess that you would like it to be more of a campus feel or more yeah. of a, you know what I mean? Like, if that's what has to happen, okay, but I'm, I'm guessing you'd like to have it closer to campus and get more of that feel. Uh, hotels, yeah. restaurants, I, whenever you do, whenever you deal with a, a RV 
crew that's showing up, um, convoy that's coming into town. It usually doesn't get into town late Friday night. They usually, if they're staying in an RV and there's a bunch of people coming up, it's like uh, get Tuesday, we get there dude. Tuesday or Seriously. Wednesday. And you hang out, you Especially go to the restaurant. a place they've never visited, which is going to be a yeah. ton of SEC fans the first time. Kind of feels like they are going to lean on uh, Oklahoma City, at least for the first few years, while uh, they get fully prepared for it. Uh, no tailgate atmosphere in Norman if you don't pay for the tailgate zone. Campus Corner's lacking. No Friday pregame events at all. That's, that's, that's from, from Bruce. Bruce. Yeah, and that was actually uh, mentioned somewhat is, and they went to Fayetteville, they went to uh, Kentucky, they went to Lexington, and they went to, to Tuscaloosa. And a lot of their, like, downtown, like, their bar districts, yeah. on Friday before the game, there's the tailgate, or there's the cheerleaders and the band rolling through there and playing the fight song and doing all that. And to Bruce's final point there, like, you don't get that pet feel, you know, like the band rolling through on Friday no. night down there or anything like that. So I, I would guess some things like that could change. I think so. Um... I remember Tennessee fans being here. What year was that, 2014? Yeah. And I was out on Campus Corner because I was 24 years old at the time. And Friday night before, Tennessee fans were looking around at all the people that were at the bars on Campus Corner and saying, are you guys OU fans? Yeah. Why Why aren't you wearing OU? They, they couldn't <laughs> understand why there were so many OU fans out at the bars but not very many of them were actually wearing OU gear. They weren't there for the football game. It was just like (laughs) people around Norman that happened to be on Campus Corner. It wasn't like uh, OU fans have descended upon Norman for the big game and every single uh, restaurant and bar are packed with people. It's different, and I I would expect that there's going to be some tailgate – changes uh yeah this year it, that yeah, that needs to happen um i th- i think w- what i think they should do and what i think they're gonna do is open up the south oval i think it's the south oval i thought it was i, I like i think you're right i thought it was pretty telling that in the spring game announcement brent mentioned not once i think twice maybe three times make your tailgating plans like yeah. they're really trying to push that and i don't know if it tailgating is going to be a big deal, but the fact that he pushed it like he did in that video leads me to think that, yeah, some things are happening with that. Do most places have Friday night events? Um, other like, towns? Like, what do you what do you mean by events? Like a Friday night? Not, I'm not talking necessarily a pep rally. I'm talking about you got a big game the next day. You expect a big – like a bunch of people to be there. Are there like – like alumni events and yeah, like you know what I'm saying. I, I, Just y- yes, yeah. I guess pep rally is like not really the right term, but events that a bunch of fans and people show up I, to. I think that well, in the SEC, and that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah I think there's probably a lot of that. Yeah, probably a lot of fundraising opportunities at yeah. a lot of those. I would that's imagine. Right. Uh, Sean says OU and the city of Norman are completely unprepared. OU wants a quick in and out and control the experience of game day. The city lacks hotels and all the weekend party and will invariably not have enough food and drink. That's kind of what I was talking about with like the infrastructure. Um, There's just not, there's not a lot of that 
ready. And some of that is because the schedule has been bad and demand has trickled lower and there just hasn't been like next year. What what game are you going to have your big shindig where you've got the Friday night event and it's like an all-day affair, which, number one, the games are at 11 a.m. every week, so like it just kills everything. I mean, some of it is, you know, a creation of our own. Other parts of it, and I think the bigger part of it are – just the circumstances and, frankly, the reason we're leaving the Big 12. Yeah. Alabama has a Friday night concert, says the 918, before the homecoming game and a pep rally before Auburn and Tennessee games. Yeah. OU had a uh, Saturday concert. Remember when OU played Houston on a Sunday in the uh, 2019 season, Jalen Hurts year? Yeah. They played on that Labor Opener. Day Sunday. I think on Saturday they had a big concert on Campus Corner that a lot of people uh, came out for which I don't know if you could do that every single Friday night, but if you did that once a year on a Friday or so, that's a pretty fun idea. I remember something happened, and that was almost like a like a week of or two weeks before like impromptu type of Maybe. thing, right? Did they move that game late? Uh, I think it was during the summer that they did, I want to say. I don't know, man. That was you, – you may be right on that, but I, I feel like we knew about that during the okay. summer. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that was cool. They, like, blocked off all of Campus Corner, right, whenever they did that? Yeah. See Aggieville in Manhattan, Kansas Friday night. Willie yeah. the Wildcat and band are everywhere. I think they Nebraska, are. their band goes around to the Haymarket District and around Lincoln. I mean, that's just a few ideas where you could kind of bring the game day field of Friday night. Yeah. And just kind of start that tradition, I guess, too. I think yeah. in this piece they were saying that um, – in one of the airports, was it in Tuscaloosa? Maybe, like as soon as you land at the airport, it's there's some giant blow up there that's <laughs> like, hey, this is where you're at, and right. there's a thought thrown out that maybe you do that at Will Rogers and OKC to the SEC fans traveling there. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I don't know. I know that they're gonna they're gonna do some things like this year. They'll probably try to implement some of the stuff that you'll see in the future, but. I wouldn't expect it to just be like bursting at the seams because, again, the schedule. It's hard to do it whenever you look at the schedule and can't find a consensus game that everyone's just like yep. super excited about. So it's hard to really to gear up for it. But, you know, year one, I think it's probably going to be a bit of a learning process for everyone. Uh, it may not be perfect, but hopefully as – Time goes on, it gets better and better, and eventually we get to close to that $30 million mark. 4.05, I agree with you guys, but I also think the 11 a.m. kickoffs hurt a lot. Yeah, yes, it that's what I'm saying. Is a, the, one of the biggest problems is the schedule, the kick times, a lot of the things that you can't control. Uh, the lack of good op opponents contributes to that, yes. Of course, there's no infrastructure thanks to the OTA. <laughs> We're <laughs> blaming a lot of people. What about an RV tailgate at the LNC shuttles to the they stadium? They do that. Yeah, they do do that. Yep. 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 How um, much of that lost dollars in Norman – well, here, it won't load. Basically asking how much of those lost dollars in Norman as opposed to Tuscaloosa is due that OU fans kind of live, dine, and return – 
uh, stay in OKC over Norman due to proximity versus Tuscaloosa being alone on an well, island? Well, I think there's there's a lot of that, but it is it's the chicken or the egg. Do they not come in until game day because there's no availability, or is it because you know there's there's more things to do in Oklahoma City? I you have to have things for people to want to come and enjoy in order for them to want to come stay and hang out for a weekend. And right now, whether it's proximity, I don't know exactly what it is, but I mean, someone mentioned it. It is right. It's like, all right, the game's over. Get out. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the feeling that, that you have. So I don't know. Like I said, I think it's going to be a bit of a work in progress, but hopefully – we get better they have better. identified that uh, things need to change around here. That's right. That's just step one. That's right. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on next. Make the right call for OU coverage in the Sooner State. Lock it on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Right. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Oh, man, it is. I mean, you look at those guys, you look at the sure girth of Rundell. He's like 275, 280 pounds. So he's a load to deal with out there on the edge. And then you add the speed of Trace, who's about 255. Um, and, you know, you're hitting on all cylinders. You have different flavors and, um, you know, different tools because different teams are going to play different schemes. And we got to have people to fit. And I think Rundell is a, is a you know, all, all, he fits all sizes. And I think Trace is going to do the same thing when he's able to get going. There's Todd Bates last night post-practice talking about his defensive line. What do you think about Todd Bates? Not as a recruiter, just kind of as a position coach. What do you think? He's been, um, at least during locked in, a lot of some, some Todd Bates slander that he hasn't landed an elite interior defensive lineman yet. But what do you, what do you think about him as a position coach? Um, you know, I haven't had much interaction with him, honestly. Um, I know that he has taken over a position that has, frankly, it, it's kind of been a low point for an extended period for Oklahoma. I, I, I don't I – mean, there's been a couple of, of you know, moments and in, in, in times whenever we've had some really good play there, but not, not a lot of consistency – not a lot of star power. Um, so It's been over a decade since I think the, the defensive line at OU has been elite. I'd say yeah. 09, probably the last year. So I know there's, there's lofty expectations for that to be turned around instantly and for him to start landing you know, the top defensive lineman in the country right off the bat. But, I mean, it's difficult. you got to have a little bit of time. You – you are, you're breaking a you're trying to break a decade long as you pointed out really dry spell when it comes to uh, elite talent in recruiting at the defensive line position. We've had some good players come through, but we haven't landed consistent elite talent in a long time, and you don't just flip a switch to do that. So he's got a big challenge, and I know the the pressure's on there, and everyone wants everything to happen instantly. I'm part of that group, but you know, I think that he he needs to show his 
not just recruiting prowess, but I think more importantly, development, coaching prowess right now in in getting what we do have to play at a much higher level than than what we saw a year ago. I'm not making excuses. I'm just like thinking out loud here. He's probably the assistant coach that walked into the most difficult situation with the new staff, taking over a defensive line that wasn't necessarily ready to compete at a high level, um, with an SEC move looming where his position group is all about. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's when you really think about it, it's this fan base is still demanding for that position to be back. Yeah, I mean this this year will tell a lot. I'm sure about his development, at least yeah. what he has there. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it's you know we were we were in on one of the top guys or maybe the top guy last year and couldn't lock it up. I I know people are mad about that. Number one, that's not his fault, Todd Bates, and number two, when's the last time we've been in on the top defensive lineman in the country? Mm. Before Todd Bates, like, like really, like not a top yeah. five or a top, like seriously, yeah. in on it, probably a while. And here you are once again this year. You're in yeah. on the top defensive lineman with Williams, uh, Winery, so and David Stone. I know that it hasn't just turned into interior D line after interior D line of blue chip type of players, but like I said, it doesn't happen overnight and. They've got lofty goals and lofty expectations by some of the guys that they're targeting, and I think it's a matter of time before they start landing those guys with some consistency. Text line, safety recruiting has been crap, but that didn't affect uh, Brandon Hall. What does that mean? Uh, I guess we're saying that this to the point of, well, it was really difficult for or the situation that he walked into, and they're saying, well, what about Brandon Hall? He walked into a difficult situation, and he recruited well last year. Well, yeah, but I don't know what the point of that is. Are you suggesting that safety is the same as recruiting defensive line? Like, defensive line is the most heavily sought-after position in all of college football i i guess you have quarterback right there but i would say most of the uh a lot of coaches across the country would rather have the number one defensive lineman in the country than the number one quarterback in the country so it's it's totally different it's way more competitive way more difficult and i mean i i don't know we we've had We've had some solid safety play. I mean, we've had some solid safety recruiting here in the past. I don't think there's been a – Geez, in the past decade, has that maybe where you've been the best on defense? I mean, it's at least at the top. As far as not. recruiting's concerned, yeah. I would say probably. So, I don't know, man. Th- things are different. And just because one coach was able to land a couple of good recruits at at their position doesn't mean a coach that – missed out on a couple of guys is crap I think that's a bad way of looking at things Texter in the 918 says I do find it funny people already calling for Todd Bates job when the this entire conference hasn't landed a five star in this decade you were all talking about I don't think a lot of people I mean I think mostly that's just Twitter trolls doing that but, but why is that I don't know because there there are I, I know there's Twitter trolls but there's there's the text line 
Like, I don't know. Maybe I've got a blind spot to it. Like, tell me, you have to tell me, like, give me something more than he's just not any good. Like, give me something that, like, what you see in the way he coaches and his approach that is bad. And, like I said, maybe I've got a blind spot and I need to view it from the a different angle. The take is based purely on David Hicks and not getting David Hicks. When David Hicks, I mean, he, he rolled A&M heavily because of NIL. But, I mean, that, there, 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 there's your answer solely on NIL. Yeah. We'll use that instead. That's fine. Um, but that's, that, that's why that take is out there, which, I, I mean, clearly I don't agree with. Well, be, like, if, if, if OU could have matched the NIL offer and we could have got Hicks, I blame yourself and your buddies for not donating enough to NIL. Blame the NIL stuff. Like, that's – like the fact that they were in on him as long as they thought, like they thought he was, he was coming here. Um, I, hey, I don't know, man. I, I just think that that's a, it's a pretty, honestly weak way of looking at it. But like I said, expand. Give me a little bit more. I'm open to it. I, I, I maybe I need to view it from a different angle. Lane Kiffin has the. Uh, I was I was reading something earlier today. Uh, Lane Kiffin is not one. How, how much do you hear? Uh, family being preached, whether it's a college football program, a car dealership doing ads, you hear family quite a bit, right? Yeah. You won't hear Lane Kiffin say that. He said, these coaches sell parents on, especially in the South. Come here, it's family. We're going to treat you like family. I'm like, no, they're not. If it was family, then why do coaches bring kids in and say, hey, we want to help you transfer. It'd be better for you to transfer. You don't do that to your family. So the whole family thing, I said, we have to teach some reality that there's a business side. <laughs> I mean, that's not necessarily true. I mean, uh, I think parents have the conversation with kids at time like, son, it's time to move out and get a job. <laughs> right? You do that with family. I think it's time for you to leave the nest and go uh, – Expand your horizon a little bit somewhere else. He had some uh, pretty interesting takes, and not, I mean, I, I really agreed with some. They were asking him about, well, you got a quarterback coming back, and you brought in Spencer Sanders via the transfer portal. Are you not worried about what Jackson Dart might think of that? And he said, just like the pros, we can't sign players based on your feelings. That's not my job to make you happy. My job is to make the best roster for our fans, for our AD, for our chancellor uh, that actually hired me. It's true. It's like, I don't really care about your feelings. I'm trying to get the best roster so I don't get fired. It's true. And anyone that is playing this thing competitively and at the, the higher end of it, you understand that result. it's a results-driven business for everyone involved, players, coaches, everyone. And, yeah, if I – mean, just like whenever they brought like, – does it not apply to Jackson Dart whenever – you know, he transferred in too, right? There was someone's feeling – someone had hurt feelings whenever he transferred in. I, it, it works both ways. So, may the best man win. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hit some things that caught my eye next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. You're simply the best. Your favorite summer outdoor concert series is back at Riverwind. Beats and Bites is here and bigger than ever. West Yalagosny Law is bringing to you what caught Teddy's eye. If you've been hurt in a wreck and you don't know who to trust, 
Take a look at the client reviews at WIG. If you want a lawyer that clients trust, then trust West Yalagosny. That's West Yalagosny Law, 405-800-8080, 405-800-8080. Let's get to it. Story number one is. Uh, you seen the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, 10-0? and Yeah, haven't lost yet. First time in 36 years. Only undefeated team in Major League Baseball currently. And uh, have you seen all the stolen base numbers? They're there. up, uh, like, are they up Massively. by a full stolen base a game? Is, is that what oh, it is? Oh, it's crazy. They, um, that was, I think that was the number after opening weekend. It's probably even more now. I think these numbers may be a little bit off, but I think the leader last year was 120-something stolen bases, and I can't remember who's who's – leading right now but they are on pace for 280 stolen Jeez. bases this year mm-hmm. yankees are are still in a lot of bases so everyone continues to rave about uh the new rules so look at the race 10 and 0 um i <laughs> i thought this was interesting uh, did you see musselman and all of the uh portal guys that they've contacted Arkansas basketball. Have they contacted every single player in the portal? Did he send them a shirtless pick or him going crazy taking his shirt off or something? Is that how he rolls? Uh, well, basically, um, one of the things that he said is like he he's he said that he wouldn't be sitting there in the portal, but like apparently that's like their go to right now, and uh, they're at the forefront of the transfer portal, and they are dedicating dedicating most of their time with the compliance office and making sure all the paperwork's done so they can fire through all of the uh, the transfer portal guys. And uh, it's crazy, which the numbers are insane in basketball. Oh I think gosh. there's 1,200 players have entered the transfer portal since March 13th. All is kind of quiet on the OU portal Jeez. front, by the way. Hopefully uh, we hear, <laughs> hear about someone uh, coming up in, the, in this week at some point. Yeah, is that a is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I don't think it's a good thing. Mm. I think we need to start hearing about some commits that are happening. Yeah, that's uh, all I've got. Okay, so any time that you have a breakthrough season, you're hoping that it will really improve ticket sales the next year, right? And that was the case yeah. for Tennessee. Tennessee had their best year in like over 20 years, and they're hoping that it would translate to season ticket sales. Sure. They had a stated target of season ticket sales this year at 61,000. 61,000 season ticket sales is what they were hoping for. They currently have 70,255 football season tickets for the upcoming year, nearly 10,000 more than its stated target. And we still have several weeks away until it's uh, kickoff in Knoxville, Tennessee. So, wow. their year last year, uh, yeah, that is related to more and more attendance here. Good for them. That place has been over the like the last two or three years, uh, I guess two years, last two years, Knoxville has been a you-know-what show, both good and bad, uh, on Saturdays in, in the fall. It's been wild. Now, I don't follow the Cavender sisters at the University of Miami. I know that they're a big deal and they have a large following, social media following and all that, mm-hmm. but weren't they making a ton of NIL money at Miami? It wasn't that the case. I, I thought that they I were one of the highest was, people right. in college sports. Right. Well, they're both in the portal now. <laughs> they released today that they're going to be playing their fifth and final year of college hoops somewhere else, which was 
Very shocking. A lot of people made fun of that. They are leaving Miami to go somewhere else. Hey, I'm guessing trying to make a ton of money. If if um, maybe you've the market has stagnated there, it's maybe become a little bit um, commonplace to see all of their content. Maybe you go somewhere else and create a bunch of buzz. I don't know. That's probably a good way to get yourself back in the news, make more money. For those of you that have YouTube TV, I have YouTube TV. Dude, I'm thinking about making the switch. It's it's pretty good. Um, the NFL Sunday Ticket will be on YouTube TV this season. Um, however, oof, NFL Sunday Ticket on YouTube TV will be $349 per season or $249 if you purchase before uh, June 6th. Uh, Non-YouTube TV subscribers, $449 a season. So maybe you don't have to subscribe to YouTube TV and you can just get Sunday ticket through there. That's got to cost you like $450. So wow. it's, not, it's not coming cheap. Um, I have it on DirecTV, and it ain't cheap on DirecTV. Um, but I'm thinking about ditching DirecTV and going to YouTube. Uh, last one I have, top 10 traditions in college football, according yeah. to 24-7 sports. Sweet home Alabama uh, is at number one mm. on the list. I think that's overrated as well. Yeah. Jump around at Wisconsin is number two. Okay. Dotting the I at Ohio State is three. Yeah. Howard's Rock at Clemson is four. All right. The Kinnick Wave at Iowa, where they wave at the Children's Hospital, is five. That's a pretty cool one. Inner Sandman at Virginia Tech is six. Yeah. The Cowbells at Mississippi State, 7. The Army-Navy game is at 8. Toomer's Corner is at 9. And the Sooner Schooner at Oklahoma is at number 10. Hmm. Anyone that's uh, rated way too high, way too low. I think Sweet Home Alabama's ranked way too high at number 1. Yeah, that's not the number 1. And what was next, dotting the I? No, jump around at Wisconsin jump was too. Around, which that's, that's, that's probably ranked right where it should be. It sounds pretty awesome. I'm surprised none of the Tennessee stuff made it. Well, what's there? Like just singing Rocky Top really loud? Singing Rocky Top's a better tradition than Sweet Home Alabama, I think. Rocky Top, the way they enter the stadium. The power T. Well, the T, but then the walk outside before they come into the stadium is crazy too. The whole thing is is wild. Um I, at risk of sounding like an awful person. You're going to say the Sooner Schooner's overrated. No, wow. No. I'm going to say the Iowa wave is overrated. Oh, you do sound like a terrible person for that one. Is it me? Like, oh, I think it's no. awesome. Ugh. I think it's great. I think it's it's fantastic. But it's a brave I, take. I feel like it's put up there and like – if you don't agree with it, like you can love the fact that they do it and think it's cool and it's well done and all of that, but one of the top ten best traditions in college football. It's one of the newer ones. They've been doing it like three years. Well, wow. You don't like waving at the at the sick children up there in the hospital. I it's love unbelievable. waving at the sick children. <laughs> no, yeah, you, you can't go back on that one. It's not even really – I don't even know that it necessarily qualifies as a tradition. It is a tradition. They do it at the end of the first quarter every game, and they play the Wave on Wave song, and – they wave and the kids yeah. wave back. It's a nice moment. It Jeez. is a nice. It's a nice moment. 
Is okay. it number five, Listen, top five in all of college football? It sounds like a pretty awful take. I think a lot of people might think differently of you. I know. However, I won't be. I won't remind you of this on a daily basis. If during this break you can name five college football traditions that are without a doubt, no question at all, a better tradition than the than the Kinnick Wave. All right. You got okay. five minutes to do so. Come up with five. I'll do it. Because it's at rank five on this list. I'll come up with five that are without a doubt. But as of better. right now, you're a pretty awful person. I'm a horrible person. That's what I do. Is Could change in five minutes, but as of right now, it's not looking good. Everyone listening knows I just dove on the grenade for all of them, okay? <laughs> all right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. I'll have my top five next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The ref car seat. To make sure your child's in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of the rush. In case you missed it last segment, as it sits right now, Teddy is a bad person. He thinks that the Iowa wave is massively overrated. His job was to pick five college football traditions that are better. Let's see if he can do it. I will remind you that Bob Stoops' daughter, uh, Mackie, uh, she did have a big procedure in that Iowa hospital. So let's see if he can have five here. Yeah, thanks for the reminder. Just wanted to remind you of that. Again. Got to work fast here. Not against the wave, not against hospitals. Uh, Five that are better in no order. Okay. The Ohio State dot the I. Um, Tennessee, whatever the T thing is called. Power T. Um, the Rose Bowl flyover. Um, and I don't know how you like call this, but like the, the 50, 50 split or whatever it is at the cotton bowl for OU Texas. 50, 50 splits. And then the, uh, the waving we at Oklahoma state. Oh, I got to say, not only is that funny, but beautiful. When all the attention is based on, uh, let's see if you're an awful person or not, you you make everyone think of, uh, yeah, you, you, you move the conversation. Nice job. Uh, God, that's funny. I did not expect that. I was trying, I thought I couldn't pull anything out of the top five. I wanted to put sitting in traffic in Denton uh, before <laughs> OU Texas. Uh, on the list as well. I like how you put Ohio State dotting the I, and I'm pretty sure when I read that last segment, you said, uh, I heard a, uh, when no. I read it initially, but now it makes the top five. Interesting. No, it was just, I knew where it was going, okay? It was going to throw out the same exact crap that we always hear. It's like, do you think they put out, the, let's go back in the way back internet machine. I bet they Put the same exact story to a T last year. Uh, oh, yeah, probably. Off season. Yeah, just upload it. Uh, text line, is Teddy a bad person? Was that top five good enough for you? 405-651-3439. I'm, uh, I'm a sucker for old uh, Ralphie out there in Boulder. Were you on the field already when he when he sprinted across? I can't remember. They, were they just kind of run him across the field on so the angle, So he starts at like one end zone. He does runs to one end zone. They turn him around and. Yeah. He starts he he starts and ends in the same end zone, but on opposite corners. That gotcha. makes sense. Gotcha. It's pretty awesome. I you know I don't really remember it a whole lot. Uh, I remember like wanting to see it whenever we went, but I don't remember if I saw it or not. Interested to see if the text line thinks you're an awful person or not. Of course they think I'm an awful person. <laughs> All right, quick timeout. We got the final hour next. Stay with us. 
1400 AM, KREF, Norman, Moore, Oklahoma City, and 99.3 FM, K257DA, the Ref Sports Radio Network. GMC continues its commitment to 